Hi everyone, my name's Steve Tudor and welcome to a special one-off New Year's Eve pod recorded in lieu of a Friday show. Today we're going to be saying farewell to 2020 and yeah, I get it. The temptation is to place it into a Hessian bag, fill it with rocks and chuck it into the Mersey estuary because this past year has been an absolute rotter. It's brought us to our knees with a global pandemic. It's brought recession and worry and isolated us from our loved ones. It even took Diego Maradona from us for pity's sake. So of course, on December 31st, we want to kick 2020 square in the nuts and tell it where to go. But we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that because we're blues, we're hardened, we've endured Stuart Pearce, we've watched David Pleat run around our pitch in terrible loafers. We went to York away, or at least we know someone who did, and that sort of counts. So instead today, we're going to look this past year right in the face. We're going to shake its hand, and we're going to smile. And we're going to thank it for all the good things that it's given us, because there has been good times. As magnificent Ian Jury once said, there has been, and there will always be, reasons to be cheerful. And that is evident straight off the bat, because joining me today for this upbeat and defiant celebration are two of my favourite guests of 2020, two of the loveliest, most genuine guys you could ever wish to meet. It's Howard and Ali. You right, Howard? Yeah. Did you write that intro before some of the guests pulled out? <laughs> <laughs> there is no room for cynicism today. That's, that's, that's the first and last bit of cynicism from you today. It's just banter. No, it, it was banter. We all love banter. banter. Yeah, it, it was aimed at you, Howard. You're I'm one a- of the loveliest, most genuine people I know. I'm okay, thanks. And I woke up to, woke up to it snowing, so that was nice. Yeah, I've seen the photo you put up on Twitter. It looked gorgeous. Yeah. Also joining us today is, um, well, it's not It's not here, by the way. It's, uh, yeah, a little bit on the roofs, but it's just rain, rain, rain. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no, sorry. It's supposed to be up today. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful rain. <laughs> also joining us today is Ali. Are you well, pal? I am very well, thanks to you. I'm a little Miss Sunshine here. Uh, <laughs> But a few flakes of snow here in in uh, Longsight Levensium vicinity. So uh, so yeah, it's uh, still a little bit festive. I'm doing my best Good. to stay upbeat and in the spirit of the pod. Absolutely. I mean, we've got a couple of days off. It's New Year. It's time for booze and celebration. It's. I mean, 2020. What's that got to do with it? You know, let's just enjoy the nice couple of days ahead. Uh, Let, particularly let's tonight. Let's go to the chase. We don't have mm-hmm. to pretend to enjoy New Year's Eve this year. <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I, I've I've got friends who basically go out kind of five times a week, and you know they love going out, and that's their thing. They're very social. They stay in New Year's Eve because they just say it's just not that night for it. You know, it's amateur hour. It's um, yeah. so in normal times they stay in. They just hate New Year's Eve, and I'm kind of the same to be honest. I've stopped going out on New Year's Eve for the past couple of years. Yeah, we've avoided the Christmas drinkers as well. So just think yes. of all the positives. Yes, <laughs> the all the people that things. call out the offices once a year to have a drink. Yes, absolutely. Right, let's look at 2020. Uh, let's look at square in the face and let's look at the positives. Now, let's very quickly touch on Brexit. Only in as regards to a side effect of Brexit, I think, is that one side of a debate has kind of claimed Britishness for their own, you know. And I think the three of us, it's fair to say, are kind of lefty, liberal-leaning types. Um I want to know, Ali, what's made you most proud to be British this past year? Uh, Well, very obviously, given what's been going on, uh, the NHS and in particular the people who work for it, um, 
I'll, I'll claim a personal interest here. My sister is a community nurse up in Scotland, uh, and in the early weeks of uh, the or the COVID outbreak, um, she was one of many NHS. Uh, staff who was doing her job without any proper PPE. She was going from uh, elderly and sick people's homes one to the next to the next to the next all day. Um, and to be honest, we're we're kind of all astonished that she survived it because uh, yeah, um, the the risks those people were put, uh, the the position those people were put into was just like ridiculous. Um, without without trying to put a downer on uh, on the spirit of the day, um, I actually looked up last night. Uh, uh, how many NHS personnel had been lost to COVID this year? And did you know mm. we've lost more NHS staff this year uh, in ten months than we lost British Army personnel in Iraq in ten years of war and occupation? Jesus Christ! Um, and you know those people were sent out onto the front line, you know, without any body armor. Um, and it is when you stop and think about it in in that perspective, it is really quite a um, humbling. Um, so mm. a huge shout out to all the NHS staff and of course all, all the other people doing um, other key workers and all, another family connection. My dad who, who died a few years ago, he was a teacher uh, and my wife was a teacher for a while, isn't anymore. Um, and I'm really conscious that uh, teachers have been going out and locking themselves in uh, tiny little non-air conditioned rooms with 30 little balls of germs each. Um, yeah. Yeah. And again, you know, and tragically we've lost Teachers have, have lost and been lost in the pandemic too, um, and some of you know we're we're talking about the best of British, some of the absolute worst of British people who work for the tabloid papers um, have been writing about how teachers are cowards and and uh, mm. yeah, a dig, uh, some kind of disgrace because their unions have been trying to keep them alive, um, and when you've got you know the 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 absolute shame of Britain trying to uh, uh, claim the moral high ground on, on some of the best of us. Um, it, it's something to, to again, put it all into perspective. So, yeah, big shout out to all the key workers, all of them. Uh, I mean, the, the whole institution of the NHS has always made me uh, very proud to be British and still does. And so long as, uh, what, what was it, Nye Bevan said, that the NHS will survive so long as there are people with the spirit to fight for it. Uh, so let's continue to do that in, in the years to come, whatever whatever they may bring. Uh, and yeah, big shout out to all the people who've been working on the front line because uh, I'm absolutely proud of every single one of them. Well, very well said. And and I think you're absolutely right to, to highlight what some of the tabloids said as regards to teachers. Um, and also, you know, in, in some quarters, there's even been criticism of the NHS from the tabloids as they've kind of, you know, propagandised for the government. But I think by and large, a real positive of this year is our newfound acknowledgement and appreciation for what they do. Um, and I think, you know, if we're looking at the wider picture and generally speaking, I think, and I'm certainly put myself in that category. I'm someone who just goes through life and I don't really think about the NHS. And then this year, it's like, oh, wow, these people are bloody heroes. These people are magnificent. Um, so at least that's one positive. Um, Howard, what about you? What's made you proud to be British? Can't follow that. It's nailed it. Absolutely. Nailed it. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That's what I wrote down, NHS key workers, teachers. Uh, and I'm happy that Ali took all my points away because I could not have uh, been so eloquent in how he uh, put it across. So, uh, absolutely, NHS. I mean, no, I say you need a reminder. I'd rather not have had a reminder this year about how wonderful no, the NHS no. is. But if you, you know, to take the positive, 
that's really reinforced, you know, just astonishing bravery, really, to, you know, to go in every day and do that, knowing, especially, um, I say especially, it's as bad as ever now, especially in the early days when we knew nothing about this virus, and to put yourself in the firing line every day and uh, to do your job and be, as Ali said, slagged off for it, it's just astonishing. And I just, I'd love to, I'd love some of the critics to go and teach for a week. I'd love some of them to be on the front line. I'd love to see them police and I'd love to see them uh, work in an intensive care unit for a week. Uh, I would absolutely love it and have a camera follow them around uh, just yeah. just for the karma. Uh, <laughs> I, I like that as well. Feel the... Wonderful, and I don't want in 2021. I don't want fucking doorstep claps. I want proper recognition of what they do every single day of their lives. Yeah, right. Whether, whether there's a coronavirus or not, so they're the real heroes. Uh, I'm also just general public. Look, it's easy for us to go on Twitter and think that everyone's <laughs> an arsehole, and uh, I can't wait to leave this country and get out of here because you know a minority have made me question the rest of humanity this year, but you're just seeing, as always, it's the idiots that shout the loudest and are the most vocal. I don't know who said it. Yeah, plenty of people said it. Stupid people used to keep themselves away from the public and now, <laughs> and now it's a career opportunity and that's what you're seeing. Most people of in this country have come together, have been decent. You just look at what ghost town Manchester is during the day still. And you know that most people followed the rules, done their best. They've pulled together. They've been there for other people. And humanity is generally, generally humanity is, you know, a wonderful thing. Most people are decent. And during a difficult year like this, this is when you, you realize that. And there's thousands of examples of that. that could go on for hours of, how people have rallied around this year. So just, I would say, ignore the idiots. I mean, we can't ignore them. Yeah, you can't, you have to respond in a way, but they're, they're not the majority. They're not the majority. And I've seen so much positive acts by human beings and people connecting again when normally they wouldn't. You know, I think it's that connection of people as well that's been uh, very reassuring during the most difficult of years. Yeah, well said, man. I, I do want to pull you up on one thing. You were kind of um, disparaging then about the, the claps, the doorstep claps. Now, I believe that, that got turned into something, you know, that yeah. changed. I think at first it was just well meant, it was sincere. Um, and I, it's something I'll be honest, I'm, sorry, I'll let you go. The first time it, it did, it, yeah, left yeah. A, I thought it was going to be terrible the first time. When I heard it, it left a lump in my throat. So, yeah, exactly. fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I, I just wanted to say that when. Um, it happened the first couple of weeks, and now I'm someone who has delusions of coolness. I am anything but cool, but I like to pretend that I am cool. And so when my wife said to me, "Shall we do it next week?" I was like, "It's not really for me that you know it's good. I love the fact that it's happening. It's not really for me." Um, I said, "I'll tell you what. Then let's just do it from the bedroom window rather than kind of so we're observing rather than you know which is pathetic. I know, uh, but rather than going out on the doorstep. And we live on a main road, and when we did it." And so we went out of the bedroom window and we started clapping and a house across the road. And I've never seen these people. They live right across the road from me and they waved to me. And then a couple from a couple down waved and waved back. It just felt lovely. It was nice, you know, and it was so sad they got turned into something. Because um, at first I think it was really sincere and, and people really wanted to show their appreciation for people in the NHS. And that's, that's only a good thing. But yeah, so that was... 
you know, the start of it, the first few weeks for me is was one of the highlights of the year. Um, okay, let's move on to the more personal matters. Ali, what are you personally most proud of regarding either yourself or your friends or family or or indeed, you know, Manchester or your hometown? Yeah, I'll give you a very personal one. Um, my my elder son, uh, who is now eighteen, uh, in well, from from a little over a year ago, he formed a band. And he was in a band called Jungle Boys that were playing around live circuit in Manchester and doing really well for themselves. Um, mm. And they had got to the point where they were doing their first major headline gig at the Star and Garter. Which uh, is quite a, um, I mean, it's one of my favourite venues, but yeah. for uh, Felix Malad, it was, it was particularly meaningful uh, because when he, he was either 13 or 14, I can't remember, um, for his birthday present, uh, he wanted a ticket to a gig by a band that he liked at the time called Quite Long, I think. I've never heard of them since. Uh, but I took him along to his very first proper gig in a venue at the Star and Garter, and he stood mouth open watching a, a live rock band for the first time and then whether it was four or five years later there he was with his own band um absolutely storming uh, a, a packed out uh starring garter um and he was uh amazing having a great time uh and it kind of really felt very special and of course it was end of february so literally two weeks after that the entire music industry got shut down um he he has had planned to take a a gap year to try and make his band happen um as it is he's gone off to college in london um and is is doing really well at that too so so bless him he's made the most of it um but it was kind of uh, at one spot a, a kind of big disappointment because obviously this thing that was happening was really had a, had a lot of momentum behind it just suddenly got um, absolutely shafted by events like so many other things. Um, but then he's he's continued to make proud. And I, I have to say too, we've got a, a 12-year-old uh, who uh, has not been out fronting his own punk rock bands but uh, has been continuing to be a little... Uh, delight and and um making the best of of bad times with everything else so uh the kids those of us who are, are lucky enough to have a, a family with us um staying healthy and happy and um getting on with each other uh, i've had a huge advantage this year and, and i'm enormously uh feel enormously blessed uh to have to have had you know my own kids and, and my wife around me because i know yeah. a lot of other people uh, don't have uh don't have that uh, advantage in life um and yeah is uh i have done absolutely nothing of of any note or value or, or uh like uh, uh interest to anyone else whatsoever all year uh other than uh doing my bit to keep my family together and, and allowing them to go out and, and make their make their mark in the world which i'm very proud of because that's actually the most important thing anyone any of us can do i think yeah um howard what about yourself what are you proud of from this year well, like Ali, personally, nothing whatsoever. My, <laughs> my ability to to match pajama uh, to, to match pajama bottoms with jumpers and slippers was <laughs> has yet to take has yet to take off on the catwalks of New York and London. Uh, I did I did develop a bit of a work ethic when sat at home because I felt it was uh, the right thing to do, the good way to pass time. I think personally, I just. Uh, as men, we I look at you know we've got a big circle of football friends who go to the pub 
we talk crap, we go to the match, we may moan about City, and we go home, we get drunk, we talk about nothing really important. And I think this year, just so many people are looking out for each other. Uh, you know, it started with Zoom calls and overcoming the uh, my phobia to video calling. <laughs> I don't expect to have to make an effort when, <laughs> when talking to someone uh, virtually. And I just, I've had a lot of messages off people and I've tried to send them out to others as well, just checking in with people. Uh, and I think men don't do that as at all. They really don't do that. Uh, yeah. We don't talk to each other. And I think it's been, you know, I don't know if it will, when we get back to normality, we'll just get, go back into our groove and get back to not, never checking in on each other, no doubt. But it was uh, reassuring and, you know, heartening to, to see people just, you know, to get that message of someone saying, how are you, that you've not heard of for three months, just to check how you are. Yeah. Uh, especially, you know, I, um, I say I live alone, but I've probably talked to people more this year than the previous 10 put together. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> did get to the point where I say, oh, will you just leave me alone? <laughs> no, but, <laughs> but seriously, you know, that that's great that people look out for you and that I've Absolutely. rethought about looking out for others rather than just drifting in a way, because I am quite of a drifter. You know, you can quite easily. I have friends that, that yeah, that kind of, and they organise my my social life for many years because if it was down to me to organise groups of friends going out on big nights, nothing would ever happen. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was, yeah, it was nice to check in, and it makes you think about putting more of an effort in myself in the future. Yeah. Um, well, there was something you did, Howard, um, when you said that um, you know there's nothing you've done that made you perfectly proud. Twelve hour podcast, for example. Um, that's that's on my list for twelve hour pod and the charity pod, not for what we did because we just sat in our houses and talked for twelve hours. I mean, it's nothing. Um, but how people responded to it that made me extraordinarily proud uh, to be a city fan. To be honest, um, yeah, it was a lovely day that was, and we raised a lot of money. And like I said, we didn't do anything. It was the people who donated. Um, and yeah, God bless every one of them because that was a a lovely day. Um, I'd also like to just say the community. Yeah, I mean, just it was the, a community just the feel. Messages yeah. we're getting online and the whole day itself. I think and also having done it, I thought I'd never do it again. I would really like to do another one at some point. So yeah, and, and of course, you know, for any charity, people donate, of course. But the fact that it was for Manchester as well, and it was for the you know the poorest in Manchester, people who are struggling most in Manchester, and the fact that Manchester, it was predominantly Manchester who helped out. I just thought it was a lovely thing, but. Um, can can I, I just add to that, Steve? Before you before you move on from that, um, I, on on the the notes that we sent round each other before the uh, before we did the podcast, it says that uh, what makes you most proud of your hometown. Um, mm. I think on that, the way that uh, City and United fans have come together in the food banks issue, uh, yes, and well the, said. The, the whole yeah. United, not not just in Manchester, but the football family across the country, was, yeah. uh, you know, the the links between the food bank charities. Uh, in all the different clubs has been really heartwarming and, and inspirational. Um, but particularly, you know, here in Manchester, you know, the, the support for the food banks, uh, from right across the city and the way that fans have put aside the, the scarves and the, the tribal loyalties, uh, and worked together on this has been amazing. And I guess you know, we'll, we'll probably come on to talk about this anyway, but it ties into Marcus Rashford and his campaign. Um, and when it says, what makes you proud of your hometown? Uh, I think the fact that it was, you know, it was a Manchester lad, uh, whichever 
color strip he plays in uh, that made such a phenomenal difference to to the issue of of uh, food shortages and, and hunger uh, and child poverty in this country that has been something that as as uh, whether whether we are uh, born or adopted Mancunians, something we should all be really really proud of and. and um, yeah, all all respect to Marcus Rashford and, and everything he's done. Absolutely. Um, I, I just want to chuck in another angle um, on a much kind of you know frivolous, I guess, in comparison. But what struck me this year as well, I, I want to kind of give a shout out to work colleagues out there. Um, I'll just speak from my own experience, but I'm sure it's the same for a lot of other people. When it lockdown happened and when people started losing work, and particularly people who were self-employed. Um, there's a number of people who came to help out, you know, offered work. And like, I just to give you an example, I work for certain bet companies and they get a bad rap bet companies. And, and I appreciate why I do. Um, but my argument has always been that I don't particularly work for the betting company. I work for the editor. I work for the people at the betting companies and they are wonderful people. They're really nice people. And just to give you one example, um, one of my editors just got in touch and basically just said, right, I've dropped some money into your bank account, mate. I mean, he didn't have to do that. I wasn't expecting it. It was the last thing. Why would he, you know? And yet he did because he knew that work was drying up and I was struggling. And I'm sure that's not an isolated incident. I'm sure out there people are listening who can relate, who have kind of, or perhaps they're the ones who have helped others as well. And I think the way everyone helped each other out in those times, kind of work-wise, it was a nice thing. It was a really good, heartwarming thing. Um, so, yeah, that's my thing anyway for this year. Right, this is a very generic one. This could be whatever you want, guys. Um, Ali, what's been your favourite moment or moments of 2020? It's really difficult. Of all the questions that you put to me in advance, this is the one I've really struggled with the most. Uh, I mean, we've got the stuff around the family that I mentioned earlier. I won't go over that again. Um a uh, uh, quick football one uh, of uh, it's been hard to pick out a footballing highlight as a City fan from this year. There have been too many, uh, but the home and away ties against Real Madrid, uh, and particularly when I was thinking thinking over them last night, uh, the away tie, the the first leg mm. when we played away, uh, the end of February, just before lockdown, still fans there. We had no idea what was about to <laughs> be unleashed on the world. Um, it was kind of the last uh, last moment of of normality in terms of of the footballing world that we had, uh, and uh, just was on when we're talking about football on on this podcast. So often we uh, we have a whinge about um, Pep having his uh, you know seven dimensional chess moments and coming out with like weird formations that end up going horribly wrong. Uh, well, you know, that day he, he played a team that none of us could have predicted in a style that none of us could understand. He had Gabby Jesus playing uh, left wing back when they had the ball and centre forward when <laughs> we had the ball and and not only did he do it he was man of the match and scored a goal <laughs> while doing, and it was just it was amazing it was incredible and it it really did make me feel like uh, I was supporting the, the best team in the world again and, and obviously hmm. that didn't last too long uh, but it was that, that was an amazing moment uh, so that was a quick quick footballing one um, and then beyond that I mean thinking back over the year I, I've got Lots of little family moments and, and things would, you know, in this house. But uh, yeah. in, in the big wide world out there, there's been so little 
that you can actually latch on to and, and remember. And it's just been it's been a, a a year of hibernation. I think is probably the, the best <laughs> yeah, word. Yeah. Um, and and so you know all all of my favourite moments of of twenty twenty, which I'm, I've no doubt in in ten years time, twenty years time, I will look back and there'll be a lot I will remember about twenty twenty. It's been a very <laughs> remarkable and memorable year in so many ways. Um, but all of them have been uh, quite intimate and, and uh, domestic and, and behind closed doors. Um, and it's kind of you know th- there haven't been those those great you know moments of of live music festivals or, or sporting events or, or uh, I, I, I really, I didn't go to the Carabao Cup final. I really wish I had because um, would have been, did, what, did, were there still fans there? I can't even remember. Mm. Yeah. yeah, there was. Yeah, that, that, there? that was yeah. two, two weeks or three weeks yeah. before the shutdown, yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I, I'm now absolutely kicking myself. I was just like, oh, there'll be another final, you know. <laughs> and, and I don't know when, uh, when that, when that ever will happen now. So yeah, I kind of missed out on that one. Um, but yeah, it, it's all been quite intimate. And, and sorry, I thought uh, rambling and not very helpful. No, I think you've done well now. Like I think, say that it is like little family moments, isn't it? When I, when I yeah. thought back to this year and when putting these questions together, it was just a, a series of little moments which you know, wouldn't mean a great deal to other people, but meant a lot to yourself. And um, how would, what about you as kind of, a, well, any kind of favourite moments that stand out? I've written down favourite moments of 2020, January to March. <laughs> 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 and no doubt midnight tonight. A bit unfair that Australia gets to fuck off 2020 before the rest of us. <laughs> <laughs> and New Zealand. Uh I've, we've, we've done we've done our own football thing. So obviously, obviously, Real Madrid. We won a trophy. Uh, that first half at Old Trafford. I won't. Yeah, uh, Ali's covered that. Uh, I just remembered. You know, in I say January to to March was great. <laughs> so yeah. uh, in in January, I was like, I made this uh, kind of impulse for me. I don't do impulse decisions ever. Everything <laughs> must be. You know, mulled over for seven years, and that's that's even me ordering a takeaway takes me three hours to <laughs> In January, I decided to go to Asan's wedding in Paris. That's right, yeah. And yeah. I completely forgot about that until ten seconds ago because obviously <laughs> pre-lockdown is just like what did happen pre-lockdown <laughs> was that a previous lifetime, and I was really, really pensive about that. It's only the second time I've travelled abroad by myself, for starters. Wow. What was the first? Always with other people. I won't even what, sit. In, I won't even sit in a pub by myself because I'm self-conscious and don't have anything to do without human interaction. And I didn't know anyone except Asan uh, and his wife Claire. But I've, I don't know if you know this, but on wedding days, brides and grooms can be quite busy. So it's like, <laughs> so it was essentially, I was essentially just like, well, I won't be seeing much of them, obviously. And, <laughs> and everyone there was, I mean, shout out to uh, one of Asan's eldest friends, Debs, who literally spent, you know, we spent the weekend together, just went up to this tall tower, Wake of City Eiffel Tower at a distance. All of his friends and his family were just amazing. I've never, felt so welcome in all my life and it was just hmm. what an amazing 
weekend it was. And bizarrely, I did have a fever and a cough about three days later. (laughs) But this was beginning of February when it wasn't supposed to be a thing in Europe. Uh, But that fever and a cough did mean I couldn't go to the second leg of the Carabao Cup semi-final when we lost 1-0 at home to United. So every cloud and that. Uh, So that was amazing. And, you know, February, March was good. There was a trophy won. Uh, And... Yeah, I, <laughs> uh, since then, as you say, it all like cold springs in the way it's uh But yeah, shout yeah. out to Ace and, and Eusty and others. Yeah, the pod family have just really looked out for me and been there this year, I think. And it's been oh, amazing pleasure. and so reassuring. Uh, what else have I written? Women, lead, women leaders proving which is the superior sex. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> By which I, I mean ta- Taiwan, Germany, Finland, New Zealand, we're looking at you. Uh, and yeah. unfortunately, we're looking at the UK, America, and Brazil also. Uh, Trump losing the election. Uh, yeah. What we have instead is... Hey. Media- Eventually. <laughs> if, well, yeah. He has lost. <laughs> he, <laughs> he doesn't doesn't seem to know it but he has uh, yeah. and eventually getting him off our screens would just be amazing I know we'll only have mediocrity instead but and it's bizarre that I care so much about what's happening in America but that's a whole new conversation altogether and I think favourite moments are just not having to be sociable all the time <laughs> yeah. but, you know for hermits like me yeah, this has been a wonderful year but let's be honest Let's be honest, in March, for about three weeks, there was a weird, macabre novelty about it all. Yeah. And we were doing Zoom quizzes and we were getting drunk by video link, and obviously yeah. that, that wore off uh, very quickly. Uh, but I don't know. I think it's... I think the most... <laughs> I think most of the most memorable things are things that we'd rather not remember in the future. But... Yeah. Yeah. That's, okay. if, we can get, if we get to the end of the year and your friends and family are all there and they're doing okay... Then I'll take that. Take that. Okay. Well, I'm going to go for a sentimental one. Um, just a very personal one, but I'm just going to share it. Basically, uh, I've got a very complicated relationship with my dad, and we we stopped talking for like eight years, about you know, fifteen years ago. Since then, we're back. We're fine, you know. But for about eight years, we fell out, and um, yeah, it, it's it's a very complicated relationship, as I said, and. This year, because um, you know he's knocking on now, he's like in his late seventies. I think he's eighty next year. Uh, so during lockdown, uh, me and Han did the shopping for him every week. Uh, I phoned him every day without fail, every day chatting to him, anything he wanted, anything he needed. You know, kind of uh, didn't think anything of it. He's your dad, isn't he? So, um, and then one evening, very late, I think it was about half eleven at night, I just got a phone call from him. So you, you kind of heart goes, you think something's wrong because it's late. And he wasn't drunk or anything, he was just sober, but he just basically just told me, you know, kind of how he appreciated what I was done and, you know, uh, what I meant to him and, and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it was just kind of, it's like what Howard said near the start about kind of men not sharing. Well, fathers and sons certainly don't share, you know. That's a kind of, that's the kind of conversation you might have on your wedding day um, or maybe, you know, just maybe once in a lifetime you have that conversation and that happened this year, so... Yeah, that was a favourite moment for me. It was a, a nice one. So, yeah. yeah. There is that. The, I mean, it's just the, it's the uh, situation played out all over the country. It's like, yeah, you phone your parents, your dad answers, how are you doing, blah, blah, blah. Then 20 seconds later, I'll pass you over to your mum. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. He had not spoken for three months. I'll pass yeah. you over to you, though. Well, my dad, honest to God, my dad, after about a month, said, um, do you want to phone me? Um, like, say it was Sunday. He said, do you want to phone me on Tuesday? I was like, yeah, sure, what you do tomorrow? He said, oh, well, should we just speak every two days now? Because we've got nothing to talk about. Just really <laughs> bluntly said it. Let's stagger it out a little bit. I was yeah. like, fair enough, yeah. Well, there isn't, though, is there? I mean, it's like, what have you been yeah, up to? Yeah, but there was nothing. nothing. It was like, <laughs> been up to what nothing, have you had for your tea? Oh, have you had carrots again for your tea? Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, we've kind of touched on quite a few footballing moments. Um, the next question really just kind of covers favourite sporting moments. Obviously, if it's football, go for it. If it's, it's in broader terms, if any other sporting thing, go for it. Uh, Ali, what's been your sporting highlight of this year? Uh, I'll give you a very honest answer and a bit of a cheat because I think it didn't actually happen this year. Uh, but I think my sporting highlight of 2020 was the um, Gloucester cheese rolling competition right. that was uh, recorded and documented on, on Netflix in the We yeah, Are the Champions. I haven't series. seen it yet. Is it good? Uh, if, if you haven't seen it, it is just amazing. And uh, it's only like the, the episodes are 30 minutes long or whatever. Uh, and you get introduced to all these characters, including this completely crazy young posh woman um she's only about 21 and she's three times defending champion of the, uh, of the cheese rolling hill um and she's just absolutely nails she like she she was throwing herself down this uh like uh precipice uh bouncing like repeatedly down in somersaults down this hill uh she'd got a broken collarbone which was sticking up through you could visibly see it sticking through her skin uh, and she still went out and, and hurled herself down this cheese rolling. And it's honestly the, the best thing I've seen all year. <laughs> and it's much better than watching football without crowds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's that. I, I mean, there, I actually, when, when the, when sport came back in the summer after, after the initial total lockdown, um, I really got into, to watching test cricket, uh, which I, I'll dabble a bit in cricket, but, uh, the, some of the, uh, series that happened uh, with England and Pakistan, wasn't it? And um, somebody else as well. Uh, there was just loads of really competitive, really uh, top level uh, sport, you know, elite sport. Um, and and because it lasts five days, you could kind of get up on a Thursday and start watching it and still be there on Tuesday, which is like excellent. We got rid of another five days. <laughs> uh, so I, I, I did. I did quite enjoy getting into uh, cricket and also snooker for a while as well. Um, uh, so yeah, I've, the fact that we've had uh, all these endless long hours of days to fill without going out has enabled that. Um, but of course, like what I've what I've mainly done, particularly since September when it's all been uh, kind of quite intense and Premier League has been properly back, uh, as I have just obsessively binge watched football matches and I find you find yeah. yourself getting like uh, actually craving the the uh starting whistle for Leicester versus Sheffield United <laughs> why, why am I excited about this well it's because it's football isn't it and and there has been even though it's been this like weird synthetic not quite right strange football we've been watching it is still football and I've been so grateful it's been there um and yeah, the 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 ups and downs and, and travails of city along the way uh, haven't in any way dented that. And I, I think the fact that we've had a, you know, a bit of a soap opera plot going on with our form and and as a uh, lots of unanswered questions or whatever has given us all plenty to think about and talk about. Um, and even and having 
the opportunity to come on and, and natter with you guys every few weeks and on this pod has been an absolute pleasure to, to uh, focus oh, my thoughts on football and what's going on. So, uh, so all of that's been good. Thank, thank the Lord for sport. It, it has been an absolute uh, bomb over the last over the last nine months, ten months. What about um, Scotland qualifying for the Euros? Oh God, how did I miss it? Yes, <laughs> thank you. Thank you. That that was incredible. you would have regretted that afterwards. I, I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I can't believe I didn't even note it down. It's, my my head is mince now. <laughs> uh, I I have never screamed so loud at a TV set uh, the, with the final whistle on that one. Oh, God, it's been a long time coming. It's been a long, long, long time coming. And uh, and yeah, I've got something to look forward to next summer, which is a um, uh, wow. Uh, yeah, that's a big. That, that was a fantastic evening. That was such a tense game, and it, it oh was God. just yeah to end like it did, and and just really emotional as well. And the V, I can't remember his name now. That the, the player afterwards saying what it meant to Scotland, and yeah, it was lovely. Oh yeah, and um, oh yeah, I'll, I'll lose his name now too. But yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, no, yeah. it'll come back to it me was, when I stop thinking. That, that, would, that was actually one of my. Most frustrating, oh, was it? frustrating moments of the year because oh, of course, I wasn't watching the match, but my TV had broken and <laughs> that day, and I could only see the right side of the screen. <laughs> and I could see on Twitter that Scotland had gone to penalties. I thought, oh, I can watch this penalty shootout, and I turned it on, and it was on the left. They were taking him at the other That's end. Brilliant. <laughs> so I couldn't watch the penalty, penalty shootout. I could only see the right side of the screen. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I did catch it afterwards anyway. <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I, I wrote cricket down because, I mean, I'm a sports fan. Football is nine, still 95% plus of my yeah. sporting interest. It's way, way, way above everything else. But I will watch cheese rolling, kabaddi. I, I mean, I'll even watch sh- yachting in the Olympics. <laughs> I draw the line at dressage, obviously. Because, uh, and I might even watch breakdancing at the 2024 Olympics. Who knows? Uh, and I think cricket did a brilliant job in the summer of filling a void. Uh, because it's a sort of, you know, it's daytime TV. It's daytime TV that's watchable. Yep. And it, it obviously crowds in cricket have been, you know, the big games, you think of the Ashes and you need crowds, but it is a sport that can survive without them, uh, especially at yeah. county level. <laughs> they used to not play in empty state, uh, grounds anyway. And, yep. you know, even the darts right now, I'm not a huge dart. I watch the darts just for the World Championships every year, but even that's really entertaining at the moment. And it's just been, I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed football that's not City, in a way. I fully understand people just say, this is not football, I don't want to watch it. But it's, I don't know, it's kind of replaced my aquarium screensaver. It's just background. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's like, it's always there, and it's if you want to watch it. And I've turned on many a game, and I'm looking at my phone within three minutes thinking, this is boring. But I've enjoyed the games that, there's no pressure on me. It's not City. It's not United Liverpool who I really want to lose. Something like Aston Villa Chelsea, where I'm not sure who I want to win. I could just sit and watch that and enjoy it. And there's been so much, of course, it's all televised. It's nice to have it there. It's like, it is a comfort blanket, you know, yeah, in a way to have it there and have the option of sports. And I do, you know, one thing I did think, there's, not all sports gone ahead, and when we do get some level of normality, there is going to be one hell of a backlog of oh yeah 
It's Absolutely. a smorgasbord. I'll yeah. get to say that word again. Of, uh, of of sport coming up in festivals, music festivals, loads of stuff's going to be going on. Yeah, um, Villa seven, Liverpool two. Come on, that's got to be a highlight. That, yeah, I, I was about to jump in and say exactly that, Steve. It was like, incredible! Wow, that, that, what a day that was. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was after the six one um, with United uh, earlier on. I thought I'm not watching Liverpool game because I mean I'm on cloud nine here. United have just been beaten six one, <laughs> um, and you know, Liverpool always kind of do it, don't they? And and yeah, I'm so glad I just gave it a go that game. That was unbelievable. I still uh, did not turn on until Aston Villa were four goals ahead. Only yes, that, well, only at relaxed, that point yeah. did I think right. <laughs> I cannot curse them from this point. On. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, moving on to popular culture, politics, news, just kind of things what's happened in life beyond our kind of front door um, this year. Uh, any favourite moments that springs to mind, Ali? I'm going to completely uh, sidestep news and politics because uh, there's, like, I can't bring myself to find anything. Good yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, actually, yeah. no, no, I wouldn't, because no, we didn't mention it earlier. I had it in my notes earlier. Um uh, I will say I was uh, absolutely uh, inspired and, and deeply moved by the Black Lives Matter stuff. Right, yes. Uh, that um, it was uh, uh, felt historically important, still does. Uh, the the way um, the protesters put themselves out, particularly given what was going on at the time, uh, and the dignity that, uh, that kind of... Uh, uh, was the, the hallmark of, of almost everything that happened throughout that time. That mm. um, it, it really was an important thing in, in 2020, and, and it felt like in when the world is, is taking so many steps back in so many different ways at the moment, uh, it really did feel like a, a significant step forward in a lot of ways. Uh, so that was a, 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 a good upbeat one that I will talk about from, from the politics and news this year. Um, but then it, uh, the... I mean, we could be here for a while with politics. I've, I've, uh, I should probably work out from there. Yeah, the cheese rolling thing. I've watched a lot of Netflix this year. <laughs> um, I did. I'm one of many, many people who, when uh, the first lockdown started, and I was um, browsing through the the channels and the streaming services and whatever, looking for things to watch. Um, I began watching uh, series one of Shit's Creek. Uh, yes, I've got that March, on my list, mate. Yes, uh, which I'd, I, I'd avoided i mean it'd been around for a couple of years two three years or something before that and i'd never watched it because mm. i hated the title so much it's such an annoying an annoying pun for a title i thought not mm. not watching that <laughs> <laughs> and then when i did uh i i got a couple of episodes in and then was just completely hooked and i just binged through all all five six series until uh, i caught up just in time for the for the final se- season which uh uh i think came out in may or something so i, I loved yeah. watching that um, still in Netflix. Uh, Queen's Gambit, I thought was wonderful. Yeah, um, yeah, that's on my list too. Amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and and I've been watching a lot of films. We've been doing quite a lot of the family movie stuff. So we've uh, uh, we kind of got into a bit of a tradition of, of watching a classic movie on a Saturday night with with a frozen pizza and that kind of thing. Nice. So, uh, so we've shown the kids things like Trading Places and stuff that they hadn't otherwise seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Die Hard, which uh, the, uh, Die Hard's becoming the official 9320 pod uh, Christmas film. Absolutely. Uh, so we, we did that one. Yippee-ki-yay. Well. Yeah. Uh, yippee 
<laughs> We're not going there again. Uh, and 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 uh, one other film. Uh, I think the last film I saw before lockdown, uh, back at the beginning of the year, was Parasite, which I thought was just absolutely incredible. Loved it to bits and watched it again at home when it, it became available. Um, and that would definitely be my film of the year. Uh, and one other bit of popular culture, which I'll um, mention for a pass over the mic. Uh, I've been listening to a lot of a lot of music, most of which is kind of obscure, uh, abstract jazz and things that would mean nothing to anyone. Um, but the the Bob Dylan album that came out this summer, I'm not a, I'm not a huge Bob Dylan fan. I, I, I kind of I dabbled over the years, uh, but I'm I'm not a fanatic by any manner of means. But the album that he brought out over the summer, um, I was I was talking about someone at the site at the time, uh, and I said, if, imagine in the middle, excuse me. In the middle of everything that's going on in 2020, you kind of you go out for a walk in the woods, and you stumble upon a, a cabin, and there's an old man sitting in a rocking chair in the in the porch, uh, and like the like the uh, the wedding guest in, in uh, the uh, Rime of the Ancient Mariner, he kind of grabs you and starts talking to you and tells you these incredible stories about the people that he used hmm. to know and and uh, all the things that he's learned through life and. And occasionally he'll pick up a guitar or a harmonica and play a bit of blues. Uh, and then he'll tell you about his theory of who killed John F. Kennedy. And then uh, you realize an hour and a half has passed and you just sat and you've been completely wrapped by this wise old man in the woods. And that's what the new Bob Dylan album felt like to me. And kind of in the middle of uh, the, the madness of 2020 and the pandemic and everything else, it, it really did feel like a... Um, uh, just a little, uh, a little oasis of, of perspective. Uh, so, if, yeah. if you want something to go and have a listen to, particularly late at night with a, a, a decent whiskey, uh, the the Bob Dylan album this year has has been quite important to me. It's the one album that I've kept going back to and again. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's been a fair bit of culture that I've, I've enjoyed, and, and I found that a lot more um, uh, uh, satisfying and, and comforting than the actual news and the the real world. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. It's an escape as much as anything else. I mean, you talk about Bob Dylan there. It reminded me of um, something which I've omitted on my list: um, Springsteen on Broadway, which is on Netflix. Yeah, um, I, I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan at all. I don't own any albums. You know, I, I, I like the guy, but you know, I'm not a big fan of his music. Springsteen on Broadway on Netflix is amazing. It's incredible. Okay. It's basically him talking um, extracts from his autobiography, um, entwined with you know just him at a piano or acoustic guitar, uh, the occasional song, and um, just telling the story of his life. And it is brilliant. It is yeah. really, I, really I haven't brilliant. seen that, but I did. What I did see the uh, the feature film called uh, Oh, what was it about? About the um, young Asian lad who, who became a Springsteen. Oh yes, Blind, yeah, yeah, yeah. Blinded by the light. Uh, yeah, and it, it's beautiful. Um, I watched it in fairly close proximity to the Beatles film that Richard Curtis wrote. And, uh, yeah, that was uh, rubbish. I saw that last well, week. I absolutely hated it. I, I saw, I saw that, and just I, I really despised it with a vengeance. And then a couple of weeks yeah, later, yeah. Uh, I saw the I saw the Springsteen film. And like you, I'm not I'm not a huge Springsteen fan. I'll I'll listen to the occasional oh, album. Oh, it's superb. Uh, that, but, that, that yesterday um, that was horrible. But that film. Yeah. It, it, yesterday was absolutely horrible and blind with the light was about a hundred times better so yeah that, <laughs> um howard what's been um your your five favorite popular culture events kind of politics of anything you, you wish 
Yeah, well, well, my TV section is a lot. <laughs> it's huge, so I don't know if we're doing that or so, so, I'll tell you what, the time's running against us. Should we just move to the, to the TV section and, and kind of... Well, um... No, we're not that short of time yet, don't worry. Okay. <laughs> it's not that long. Uh, again, <laughs> glad to say, Ali's, you know, obviously Black Lives Matter, uh, Trump yeah. lost. The, the huge positive is, obviously, the vaccine. The Yeah. yeah. The, yeah. the speed and the... Yeah. Again, the... The true heroes of this year, apart from frontline workers, key workers are those who have developed a vaccine around the globe within a year. And you know, the story behind the Oxford vaccine, if you've not seen it, is fascinating and would look into it. And that that gives us the hope, obviously, for 2021. Uh, on a lesser note, if we're all at home, at least carbon emissions have gone down as well. So Yeah, sure. and also, <laughs> sorry to interject, but I read the other day that um, litter on beaches and stuff, before yeah. lockdown happened, it, it was halved. You can only imagine now, you know, hardly any litter on the beaches, that's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, well, I think, I think Kelly's mentioned, I've not... Not felt in the mood to watch many films, but I did before lockdown see Parasite was the best film yeah, I've seen this year. It was brilliant. I don't know if it was this year. Uh, I saw the Invisible Man remake, uh, which I think is brilliant. Though nothing like what you think it might be uh, compared to the very old you know, versions of the Invisible Man. And TV wise, I could go on for ages. So. Right, well, we'll move on Shit's to TV in a moment then. Okay. Uh, did you, did uh, yeah, so, I mean, just speak? as I say, for me, obviously, the culture of already, politics has been rancid. So, I mean, far <laughs> more rancid than football, Twitter can ever be. <laughs> and it's depressing. And, you know, Brexit-wise, I just gave up and thought, just just, do <laughs> just do what you're going to do. It's it's going to happen and we'll just have to deal with it. I've, I still can't pronounce the word... The word is what is it, Ali? Is it Schadenfreude? Schadenfreude, Schadenfreude I think. Uh, my German's not good, but I think that will no, do. My German's non existent, but as <laughs> it's how it's spelled, I assume it's that. It's not nice to have Schadenfreude in a way, but I've taken a, a real thrill to see Boris Johnson become the Prime Minister he always wanted to at the worst possible time. <laughs> and I can't really be happy about that because I'm afraid to say, and this is a positive podcast, it's had dire consequences for a lot of people. Yeah. But still, he deserves it. <laughs> he deserves <laughs> not to have enjoyed a single minute. And I don't, I, t- I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not happy about that, but I do not apologise for having that view as well because, yeah, basically the way this country's been won last year is just disgusting. It's not about party politics. At the beginning of this year, Nothing I wanted more was for Boris Johnson to knock his knock this out of the park. And if, still... if we can do a little bit of Schadenfreude, I, I've I've been thinking of the last twenty four hours or so. That can you imagine how the Nigel Farages and and uh, Michael Gove's and all the candidates who who pushed through the Brexit referendum? Uh, can you imagine how they imagined their independence day? Uh, the, yeah. the flags waving, the, the <laughs> crowds of people out in the street, um, the the celebratory front pages, and all the rest of it. And what have we actually got? We've got like a, a third story beneath 
pandemics and, and uh, lockdowns and tier four. Worse, and, um, worse than the Liverpool I'm, League celebration. <laughs> exactly that. Yeah. It's about on a par. Uh, so I, I can I can I take very small and, and bitter comfort in in thinking that Nigel Farage must be feeling really quite anticlimactic right now. Yeah, bitter comfort. I think is a perfect <laughs> phrase. I can't be happy about it, any of yeah. this. So because I want him to succeed, whatever I think of him and go oh, yeah. and everyone else. So. Well, let's move on to, um, before we get to telly and film and kind of popular culture then, um, I just want to know what your favourite things about um, lockdown were, which I know it sounds counterintuitive, I know it wasn't a nice thing, but as we've discussed, there has been kind of, you know, some lovely moments within lockdown, um, particularly, you know, kind of you know via Zoom or kind of with family or what have you. Uh, for me personally, I think going, leading up to lockdown, I was working too hard. I was working seven days a week. Not nine to five, but, you know, basically Sunday nights and Friday I finished early. But, you know, every day I had to have some kind of work on. And suddenly I had no work. It dried up, which is horrible. But then it, I start to realise, well, I haven't had any time off for years. I've got weeks here where, you know, I did nothing. So I just ate donuts and I watched films <laughs> and I lied on the sofa. And it was bloody fabulous. And then I found out that the government were, because I'm self-employed, the government were giving me a grant to tide me over. And it was like, wow, this is like, this is unbelievable. So for, for about three weeks, it felt good, I have to say. Um, and I talked to my wife last night about this and, and she kind of compiled her own little list. And I compiled my own little list. And the one thing we both had on it was nostalgia for doing like a Morrison shop. It was a big thing to do a, a supermarket shop because that was the only time of a week where we'd go leave a house. And we'd go at like you know, really early, seven in the morning, half six in the morning, and um, and just buy loads and loads of really crap food. <laughs> and it was wonderful. Um, and also I want to chuck in there as well, I got back into poker as well uh, during lockdown. Uh, we arranged like a Friday night game online. I started playing myself on my own online. I, I used to play a lot of poker. I, you know, poker at one point superseded football in terms of my interest. You know, I was... Um, I'd play six times a week uh, live. I play online. Um, I was good at it as well. So I got back into poker and enjoyed that. So there was there were positives for me. Um, Ali, what was your favourite things about lockdown? Uh, a bit like I said earlier, it was really um, spending quality time with my own kids and, and family yeah. uh, in a way that we'd never really done before, and we were kind of forced in. And again, I'd. As I said before, I feel incredibly lucky that uh, our family, first of all, are are all quite um, uh, chilled out and, and good company, and we all get on very well with each other. Uh, which I mean, you, um, it, we don't have to imagine the worst to understand that some families, even where everyone loves each other and are really nice, good people to each other, still squabble like hell and, and are mm. constantly in each other's faces. And, you know, uh, I, I thought a lot um, about how I would have been with my brother and sister when I, if I'd been like 12 years old and a lockdown had happened. Um, and it would have been hell. We would have been squabbling. Um, my <laughs> own kids, uh, my, my two boys are, are six years apart in age. Uh, which is a really quite good age because they're not close enough to really be rivals yeah. in any sense. You know, they uh, they they don't fight with each other. Uh, and what actually happened is because uh, you know, particularly the younger one, well, the, the older one was meant to have his A levels, so uh, he had this like amazing experience of everything he'd been building up to for the last five years or whatever was just suddenly cancelled. 
and his expectation of having you know whatever two or three months of intensive studying and swatting and and then all the stress of of sitting your A levels uh, just cancelled overnight. Like woke up one morning and he doesn't have to do A levels anymore. Um, so he then had three months of absolutely nothing to fill his time, and and he did a really good job of keeping the younger one entertained, keeping him fit. They they did a lot of home gym type stuff. We we uh, hung a we put a ladder against a tree in the back in the garden, um, and they used it as a like DIY gym doing pull-ups yeah. and exercises and things, uh, which was just uh, really uh, fun to watch. Um, but just the fact that you know, my, my these two brothers um, had quite a, a really quite uh, unique bonding experience, uh, and particularly since, you know, as I said earlier, the older one then went off to college later in the year. Um, it was really nice that they had that time together, and it's something that very few uh, of us will will ever have experienced. Um, so that that was great, um, and just yeah, you know, the fact that we did sit down and watch movies together, and, and we we stayed out of each other's hair, um, and you know, I'm I'm very conscious of the fact that we're you know, at least uh, thanks to my wife, we've got at least one steady income in in the household, and, and we were financially sort of okay. We didn't have those worries, um, and we we all stayed healthy and, and relatively happy. Um, it made it all you know, in in weird ways, kind of quite pleasant. It was a it was yeah, it was a, yeah. it was like the the strangest staycation that anyone anyone could ever have imagined. <laughs> um, and it, now, particularly you know, back in tier four and looking at the weeks ahead, uh, the thought of doing the same thing in in the the depths of winter is pretty grim. Um, but as I think one of you said earlier, there was um. There was something really quite uh, uh, almost uplifting about that. The adventure of lockdown, first time it happened. It was something none of us have ever done before. And it did feel like the whole country kind of was pulling together for a while and trying to get, help each other get through it. Uh, yeah. And it it, it, it it really worked. It kind of it did give us a, a glimpse of, of what we as a you know, humanity or, or the British people or however you want to divide us up. Um, you know, when... when when the mood takes us, we can actually pull together uh, and look at, out for each other and help each other through this shit, whatever it is, um, landing on our door, you know, this time. Um, and yeah, we did, we did, as we've kept saying over this pod, we did keep seeing the best of humanity this year as well as some of its worst. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Howard, I recall you making lots of very nice sounding dishes during lockdown. Um, is that a particular highlight for you? Did you get back into cooking, or have you always been into cooking to this level? No, I've been into cooking, and I kind of lost it. I think it's weird right. in a way. I, uh, oh, I've just wrote down saving money. <laughs> so, yeah, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I mean, go back to that Morrison shop. It was a case of we, we've got money to pay here because we have, haven't been out. This is our only time out this week. Yeah. We're not going to the pub. We're not going to the shops. We're not kind of. We're not spending money, and you know now all of a sudden we're in the supermarket, and it's like, oh, there's some nice cheese. I'm going to get that nice cheese. <laughs> God knows I needed to. Uh, no offense to Ali, I think my least favorite was the the uh, the birth of the phrase staycation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, guilty of charge. <laughs> yeah, I do not want to hear ever again. Thank you. Very much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there. Yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I had this. I said about work ethic. I just became a bit of. 
you know, I had credit card debt, and I think in a way it brought it home as soon as I started saving money that I need to look at my finances. And I worked a bit harder, and I didn't yeah. have, I didn't commit myself to leisure time really. And I'm fine with that because I think having work to do kept me sane, you know, really did help me fill the time day after day after day. And that's what kept me through at least four or five months, I think. I have been very lazy, I think. Uh, you know, just like you fall into a rut when you, you're not supposed to go out and there's not a lot to do out there. Uh, obviously, I do still cook, but I've not really... This was probably an opportunity. I mean, everyone at the start was going about, I've got to learn a new language. I'm going to oh, master, yeah. I've got to master pot, pottery or something or build a shed. Uh, right, King Lear. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done, I've done none of that. I just did some a bit more work, but I'm fine with that. I didn't want to come out of this with a new skill. Uh, cooking, is the one, <laughs> cooking is the regret, though, that I did try something. But I did. What I did do wasn't a wash with money, but I did... You know, buy a few little treats, and it could just be spices or, you know, a, a, a big, huge duck or something like that. <laughs> I did just push the boat out with food. I thought, look, you will literally have no social life. And I think it was clear quite early on. I wasn't going in the football ground. I've got a season ticket. I wasn't. You can forget going in the football ground for a year. Your holiday is gone, and maybe a weekend trip to Spain is gone which you couldn't afford, but, you know, I was still going to do it. Uh, all the pub visits have gone for mostly for a year. Don't be, don't feel guilty for spending £7 on a Absolutely. duck. So I did yeah. I did buy a few nice foods here or some, you know, nice, just, you know, I don't know, cheeses and stuff like that. So uh, Ali would be much better talking about this, but I thought, like, society-wise, I think, one of the favourite things is like just people realising that the daily slug just wasn't necessary in society. Yeah, that working, yeah, working yeah. from home is actually perfectly acceptable, and that we don't need to be in offices in our little cubicles. And <laughs> I'm not Sorry, an expert on this, but the, you know, just repri- how people reprioritise lives, how we utilise our time, and with the stimulus checks and money. The, the the idea, the conversation starting again about what I think is the excellent idea of like a universal basic income and stuff like that. I think people are just seeing the world a lot different as we come to the end of it. So. Yeah. I've just when you say that then I just remembered that advert that the government put out about how great it is to work in an office. Oh, yeah. that one about <laughs> missing water cooler moments and oh yeah. my god, it was awful. And, yeah. of course, just think of all those ballet dancers that have retrained inside They are going to be such an asset in 2021. Because <laughs> you've got to be light on your feet in cyber. And that's the key thing. So. Right, let's end on some films and telly. Uh, we've already mentioned Shit's Creek. But incidentally, how did you finish Shit's Creek? No, I'm about halfway through the second. And right. whilst I like it, I'm not fully engrossed in it yet Fair but enough. I know so many people saying it gets better and better and better it so. does it's worth saying for anyone who hasn't tried it Shit's Creek the first series it's kind of like a concept really you know rich family experiencing being poor essentially um, and it's it's about that but then as the series go on um, you know the characters develop a lot more and it becomes more character driven and it's it's lovely it's, it's lovely lovely television I think um, the, I think Dan Levy's... Is it Dan the son? 
Yes. He's my favourite, I think, Candy. The mayor as well, the two key. Well, the the mum, Catherine O'Hara, is I the know, people say that. I think Dan Levy's the, the star for me, so. Yeah. Well, that's it, in a way. You're a good programme, you all have your little favourite, don't you? So. Yeah. Um, very quickly on film, you've mentioned Parasite. That was on my list, Magnificent Film. Uh, two, uh, one film I'd say is better than Parasite. It's a film of the year for me, uh, Jojo Rabbit. Oh, Still yeah. I've not seen it. No? Uh, have you seen it, Ali? I loved it. Yeah, a fabulous yeah, a film. Brilliant film. And also King of Staten Island, um, which came out fairly recently. It's got a uh, stand-up comedian, American stand-up comedian. It's all about his life, and I can't remember what he's called now. But that's a really good film as well. Um, so that's, that's my shout-out for film. Uh, any more shout-outs for film before we move on to telly? No, I've got a lot yeah. more on telly than yes, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll actually I'll, I'll bridge I'll bridge the uh, difference between film and TV because I'm not quite. But the uh, Stephen McQueen series, Small Acts, that the BBC showed of of independent. Oh films. yes, yeah, um, yeah. The the first one of those about the um the the cafe the mangrove cafe in London um is just a phenomenally good film. I'd, I'd watched uh. The, what's it, Aaron Sorkin, Trial of the Chicago 7, I think it was called. Yeah. Uh, yeah which obviously came out this year. And and that was good, uh, but it was just, you know, Aaron Sorkin can be a bit annoying with his wise guy dialogue and yeah. wisecracking and all of that stuff. And, and, I love uh, it. I'm and, a sucker for it. I can't help myself. <laughs> okay. And Sasha Baron Cohen's <laughs> uh, New York accent was one of the weirdest mm. things I heard all year. Uh, but anyway, I, I watched that and I kind of quite liked it, and, and but I had a lot of complaints about it. And then uh, Steve McQueen's Mangrove film came out just a few weeks after I'd seen that. Uh, and it was everything that I thought had been wrong with the trial of the Chicago 7 was just mm. perfect in this one. So if you haven't watched it yet, um, the whole Small Axe series is, is absolutely mind-blowingly good. Uh, it's wonderful, but particularly the first one uh, is is uh, one, of, one of my highlights of the year. Okay. Is that, whilst um, on your alley, any other kind of recommendations then for kind of regarding Netflix or, or kind of box sets and the like? Uh, yeah, I should have. I mentioned most of them earlier. Uh, I, I, I did, of course, sit and watch the, the Crown like everyone else. I did, yes. Um, yeah. Never and I kind of hated, hated myself for, for enjoying it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, and hated myself for what I felt about uh, uh, Gillian Anderson. That was challenging. <laughs> that, yeah, it was. That, that's the, the right way of putting it. That's exactly but the main challenge, the biggest challenge of 2020 in many respects. <laughs> <laughs> for half the population. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, what, what else have I enjoyed? I'll tell you, this um, uh, wouldn't mean anything to our younger listeners. Uh, but for my uh, in my Christmas stocking this year, uh, uh, Santa had left me the full set of DVDs of Northern Exposure. Oh, uh, you, you may remember that. from the late eighties, early nineties. Um, yeah. and it's not on any of the streaming wow. services. The, the only way you can watch it again is by buying the DVDs, uh, which well, I was going to say Claire had done, which Santa had done. Um, and I've just started going through that again, and it's actually amazing how similar Two Shits Creek it is. It's very much the yes. same kind of yes. tone and same plot, uh, and a, a lot of uh, a lot of similarities. So if if you're having um if you're having Shits Creek withdrawal symptoms, you could do worse than to try and. Yeah, you can probably get a, a second-hand DVD for a penny on Amazon Marketplace, <laughs> and, and it's worth it. it. It stands up really well. It's, it's a good watch. So I'm enjoying that at the moment. Um, before we go on to you, how I've only got a couple, so I'm just going to chuck them out there. Money Heist. If if no one's seen Money Heist, yeah. 
Oh, yeah. What you're doing, watch Money Heist. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's really good. Um, it kind of loses its way a little bit after four or five series, but yeah, the first three are magnificent. Um, Mindhunter is good on um, yep. Netflix. Uh, after hearing about the genius of Dave Chappelle for years and just seeing little YouTube bits and thinking, oh, he's all right. I've got into Dave Chappelle in a big way this year. The man is a genius. He is incredibly funny. Um, and there's loads of his stuff on Netflix. The English Game was good on Netflix. Um, the Mind of Oh, Aaron that was Nandes. fun, wasn't it? Yeah. Can we talk about the English Game for a moment? Because that, that was... Uh, Deeply flawed, but enjoyable. <laughs> there, particularly the early episodes where, where you've got the, um, the, the, the villainous old Etonians <laughs> twiddling their moustaches. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the, the uh, salt-of-the-earth northerners. It was just every cliche you could possibly imagine. I, I loved it to bits. It was great fun. <laughs> yeah. It, that's, that's the perfect word for it. It was fun. It was um, yeah, because it was really laden on with a thick trial, wasn't it? The kind of yeah. um, the class differences, etc. And I'm sure it was like that back in the day to an extent. Um, and last one for me: American Murder, Family Next Door, which is a, a, sto- a true story, something I wasn't aware of. I think it's clever editing that makes it a really good watch. Um, afterwards, you kind of think, hmm, if they'd edited that properly, or as in you know normally how it would normally be edited, it wouldn't have worked. But because they, it's almost like they deceive you. But if you go along with it, it's a really good watch at American Murder Family Next Door. Um, Howard, what about you? What have you enjoyed? Okay, well, time is short, so I will be I will run through this. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, I think in this year, I forgot Uncut Gems. Was that this year? Yeah. Still haven't seen it. Yeah, I, I think I love it, but I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> One of those films are just, after, after you've watched it, it's like, did I enjoy that? <laughs> it was exhausting, wasn't it? It really Exhaust. did feel like you'd, you'd spent an hour and a half having your head battered by something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I think it's worth checking. Yeah, it's worth checking out so you can form your own opinion, basically. Uh, I I think I avoided heavy TV. I think just my whole year has been comfort TV. Uh, I didn't mm. really want to sit down in the evening and watch The World at War or anything like that, <laughs> or, or dark documentaries. And I didn't really watch that much. So everything I... I mean... American drama wise, finished Ozark this year, which I thought Brilliant, third yeah. series, season series, whatever, is the best of all. Better Call Saul was amazing. I'm really enjoying the Queen's Gambit. Not quite finished it yet. Uh, yeah, I just just their uh, real comfort TV, which tended to be British TV. So I started from beginning to end. Death in Paradise. Oh, thank you for recommending that one. Seriously, I. <laughs> I, that is my kind of. It, it's great to have a fallback. So if you're looking around, it's like, oh, I don't, I'm not in the mood for that. No, no. It's great to have that program where you go, yeah, go on, then I'll just stick one of them on. I, c- I can imagine Ace and Leon pulling it to pieces because yes. there's, <laughs> there's so much wrong with it, and I absolutely <laughs> yes. love it. It's the same shtick every single episode. It's yep. ridiculous. But it's like 24 in a way. You can watch 24 and go, well, that's ridiculous. He's just got through L- Los Angeles. He's driven through Los Angeles in seven minutes to defuse a bomb. You know, you can some you know, you can uh, literally just dis- suspend your disbelief. I think it was a real I love Death in Paradise. I think it's absolutely brilliant, even though it does the same thing hour after hour after hour. It never got boring for me. Uh I know I'll keep going on about it and no one else, I don't know, seems to watch it. Taskmaster was still, oh, still yeah. it's the a- best T V programme on Going basically, especially when you just want to chill out and have a laugh. And Seconded. 
if you're gonna if you haven't watched it, don't start on the new series, which obviously without the social distancing gave them problems. Just just delve into any previous series and come back to this one, which was still brilliant, but I would really just delve into one. And yeah, they just they nail the casting, they nail people on it. It's just brilliantly edited. It's silly, stupid, and it's just great TV. And uh yeah, I think the gone fishing, obviously, again. Oh yes, good show. Oh wow, Bob Mortimer, it's just yeah. perfect. I mean, like, like Sunday yeah. evening. TV. I've got no interest in fishing, and I love that program. No, it's not about fishing. Yeah, sure. yeah. as you know, Mark Carell will say, Jaws is not about a shark. <laughs> gone shark. fishing is not about fishing. <laughs> it's about two men, and it's about yeah. men talking again uh, about their lives and how Bob Mortimer especially is very open about his life and his struggles and you know it's two people who've had heart problems just opening up in a way uh, and I've got to give a mention to Ghosts which is my favourite <laughs> one of my oh, favourite great show shows. yeah I forgot about that yeah because it's somehow it gets uh, just very 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 quickly the premise is couple a couple get inheritance get this you know this uh, mansion dilapidated mansion uh, the woman has a near-death experience, but because she briefly dies, the mansion is full of ghosts. She can communicate with them. The husband can't, and it goes from there. But it's one that just gets better and better and better. It started with just comedy, but it has been quite touching and poignant as well as we go into the past how lives. How they died. Yeah, the yeah, lives yeah, of how yeah. they died, the ghosts. And yeah. it's it, honestly, ghosts is just wonderful. And very finally... I've mentioned Daniel Kitson before. Do if you, I think it's free on his site. The best storyteller going. If you can see his show dot dot dot, I think it's free at the moment on his website. It's just about his lockdown story done with post-it notes in front of a camera in an empty <laughs> theatre, and it's it's just amazing. He's, this storytelling is just beyond any, you know, anyone else for me. And just finally, just online comedy a lot on you know on Twitter. Uh, so there's one called The Pain, Michael Spicer, people probably know, who does the Room Next Door series where he's trying to give oh, yeah. advice to incompetent politicians. And Alistair Green's just little vignettes of just two-minute videos of people are just brilliant. And I think from what I've taken most of 2020 is people adapting, you know, in the arts, comedians, actors and whatnot, and adapting and making the Good most and putting stuff online for people. So do check those three out as well. And just a time with food... I always watch YouTube when I'm eating. <laughs> and Sean Evans, who interviews people as they eat increasingly yeah. hot, hot uh, chicken wings is a great view because <laughs> when you've got celebrities on who are slowly, their faces are slowly melting, and he's a great interview anyway, I thought it was brilliant because they just open up so much more. So. Particularly there you go. when they're quite cocky at first as well. And then they, <laughs> yeah. 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 And then they start sweating. And then yeah. all he says all the way through is, do not touch your eyes with your hand. <laughs> all the way through. <laughs> right, guys, well, let's wrap it up. Um, I mean, we could have talked about so much more because there's so much positive coming out of 2020. Um, of course, there was anything bought elsewhere. But, yeah, we made it what we, what we could, really. And, um, yeah. We helped each other out, and when we look back on this year, I think it should be a source of pride for a great many people. Um, thank you very much for joining us today, Ali. Absolute pleasure, and uh, thanks for everything you've done through the year for the City family and, and for the City of Manchester. Ah, pish and tosh, done nothing but sat, sat in front of the computer and talk crap. <laughs> and thank you very much, Howard. Yeah, thank you. I really enjoyed that, and thanks to everyone also 
the supporters of the podcast this year, the messages we've got, especially recently, about you know, yeah. thanking us for shows and how it's helped them. We really appreciate feedback like that because it reminds us that as we are just you know a bunch of normal football fans talking crap <laughs> but recording it, that it does have an effect on some people and it does provide a service and we really appreciate the kind words and the support of people that we've had throughout the year. So, um, On behalf of Howard and Ali and myself, Happy New Year, everyone, and thanks for listening in today. Uh, this is 9320 signing off for 2020. And it's mostly been a blast. Have a great time tonight, everyone. And as you're drinking your spirit of choice at midnight, please remember, normality is near. Sitting in the house of a close relative and having a cup of tea, going to a game, anything and everything we used to take for granted, but will now treasure for the precious moments that they are. Tonight takes us one step closer to them. In the meantime, take care, stay strong, and forever up the blues.